The Accidental Entrepreneur is brought to you with the help of our sponsor, A. Weber, the world's leading small business email marketing and automation service provider. Since 1998, A. Weber has helped more than 1 million small businesses and entrepreneurs through its suite of web-based email marketing, automation tools, and education. A. Weber, the best option when it comes to marketing your business. The podcast is also brought to you by the Alternative Board. Since 1989, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has been one of the leading peer advisory and business coaching organizations for independent business owners and CEOs across the world. By facilitating peer advisory boards, private one-on-one coaching, and strategic planning services, TAB helps business owners improve their businesses in ways that change their lives. And be sure to check out our affiliate sponsor, One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the avid podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. Right. I mean, I would say it was, again, it was by total accident, but the Science Academic Foundation has been probably one of the most important things that I still hold and use every day in my career. Like that base of mathematics, understanding the natural world, understanding how natural processes work, because a biologist is nothing more than an expert in biological processes, just like a chemist is an expert in chemical processes, et cetera. So it was really a strong introduction to just understanding reality better. And I I think it's critical, you know, because if I'd studied business in college, like a lot of business people do, you don't really have the context to apply it correctly before you've done any real work. So having that basis in science, going out there, seeing a lot of things and having more questions after working and then going back and get my MBA. I was, I think, 28 when I graduated with my MBA. So I'd had a few Mm -hmm. years behind me in the field. And it was, it was something that I could really contextualize and really between the science and the, and then the business academics, I really felt strong after that. By the time I went to Accenture and I was consulting, I was, I was kind of a pain in the ass, to be honest, because right. I had all these ideas and all these things that I wanted to do. And I had a lot of new stuff I was playing with in the process space. And I was actually finding myself quite stifled yeah. at Accenture. Okay. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. We have taken the summer off today, September 1st. So Sam is our first, uh, Fall guest after a little bit of hiatus. So maybe rusty today, Sam, but we'll see what's going on. So if you are listening to us on your favorite podcast directory, please leave us a five-star review. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit subscribe, hit the like button, and uh, make sure people keep hearing all the good content we're bringing today. So we'll bring Sam on in a minute, and let's get on with the show. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests 
where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Hi, everyone. I'm Sam Drawshack. I'm the co-founder and chief process scientist at Truval. And I'm excited to join the show today to talk to you about all the great stuff we're doing in process science, software, and sure of what Truval's up to. So excited to be here. All right, Sam. So uh, you can hear me good? Can you hear me clearly? Okay. Okay, I can. Sam, how do you pronounce your last name? Drawshack. Drawshack. Okay. Truval and Drawshack. It's all easy. I should be able to get it uh, phonetically. (laughs) All right. So... um, we met, I believe, through Podmatch, right? And uh, we're going to talk about basically the science of uh, using processes and stuff like that in your business. But maybe we want to go back and you can tell your story a little bit. You're a young guy like me, but you know, you, ha- you must have had a backstory in business and entrepreneurship and all that kind of stuff. And then we'll lead up to Truval and what you're doing in the, the whole science process of science world. Good. Sure. We'd be happy to. Yeah, my my deep backstory in a nutshell is I actually thought I was going to be a doctor. So I studied biology, psychology. That's my academic background. And then at the last minute, I thought that's not for me. And I just threw myself into business accidentally, more or less. I thought I'm just going to take so what I've got. So you went through the whole difficult curriculum. My daughter's pre-med. So, you know, organic and organic too and all that stuff. You did all that stuff and then said, ah, I'm done. <laughs> I did all of it. I got into the application process. Oh, I took the MCAT. And I, yeah, I, I went all the way in and, and actually it was at the same time I was volunteering at the hospital and bartending while this was happening to make money. And I came home one night when I was getting my interviews back and I realized this is the same thing as bartending, which I really didn't like. I just have to go in every day and do services, the same services over and over, you know, yeah, healthcare is a service industry. And I thought, and I, and I totally freaked yeah, out and it, I said, I can't do this. Your family. And I pulled out nuts. right then. Christ. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Everyone. I mean, like you said, yeah. you, you invest so much and you know, if your daughter pre-med, you know how much we give up and how much you really have to stay on track and stay focused. And then you have to do that yeah. for another 10 years yeah. if you get in it. And it oh, just, it well, just takes, look, it takes a lot for somebody to say, Hey, I don't like this instead of doing it for 30 years and then turn. Cause I have interviewed people like that, right? <laughs> they went into medicine and then or some other career yeah. and they're like, I don't like this, but you did it at the beginning. So more power. Well, I'm not going to pretend Easy, that right? it was because of the maturity I yeah. had at the time, it was, it was certainly one of the better decisions right. I've made though no in my early life, I will say. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know. I was freaking out at the time. Okay. So I then what happened? You, here you are, you know, you dropped the MCATs, the whole deal. And <laughs> yeah. So then I was a young person graduating into 2008, which is probably right, the worst the job market we've had since degree, the turn of the right? century with biology and psychology. Right. Yeah. Useless. Unless you want to work in a lab. So I actually got a job doing uh, basically chemical and biological engineering and a water wastewater treatment company. So it was a a decent transition to business. And it was actually there where I was introduced to just process engineering in general because it was a very process oriented job. So it was it was it was physical. We were on site. We were doing water and wastewater treatment equipment. And we were the young guys, so they were sending us out, and our whole life was in the field. So I was traveling, I was experiencing different, you know, very rural locales, actually, is where water and wastewater treatment plants are usually. Yeah, even for New York country. City. I think their water comes but, from upstate New York and big pipelines, right? It's, it's uh, So that's what you're dealing with, like util- water utilities. Right, yeah. Treatment plants. The treatment plants are either doing sewage or pulling out a river. So it's actually very fascinating stuff. And that New York yeah. City pipeline you're talking about. It's like a 27 yeah, foot diameter pipe it, right? that it pulls. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. It's incredible. The amount of water flow is mind boggling. That's like for a whole nother conversation, but yeah, water treatment is a fascinating chemical process, a physical process, getting water to people, cleaning up water, returning it through the water cycle. So it was really good early exposure for me into not only different aspects of business and working with different stakeholder groups, you know, you have plant operators, which are all unionized labor, and then you have cities and municipalities, then you've got the engineering companies who are actually doing the sales, you know, our competitors were GE, Siemens, some of the bigger kind of conglomerates in the space. So as a young person, I got exposed to a lot of different pieces and aspects of business in this role. And I realized I knew right. nothing about business. So I ended up having to go back a few years later you and did. I okay. got my MBA. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I started to enjoy the transition from science into more process engineering work. I went back to get my MBA. And then after that, I went in and basically did a number of consulting. So roles, my entire career has mostly been either consulting inside a company, doing process engineering type work, or I actually ended up moving on to Accenture eventually and doing consulting. So what your science background was a waste. You ended up like you couldn't do what you do, just having a business, general business background in an MBA because you wouldn't have the science background, right? Right. I mean, I would say it was, again, it was by total accident, but the science academic foundation has been probably one of the most important things that I still hold and use every day in my career. Like that base of mathematics, understanding the natural world, understanding how natural processes work, because a biologist is nothing more than an expert in biological processes, just like a chemist is an expert in chemical processes, et cetera. So it was really a strong introduction to just understanding reality better. And I I think it's critical, you know, because if I'd studied business in college, like a lot of business people do, you don't really have the context to apply it correctly before you've done any real work. So having that basis in science, going out there, seeing a lot of things and having more questions after working and then going back and get my MBA. I was, I think, 28 when I graduated with my MBA. So I'd had a few Mm -hmm. years behind me in the field. And it was, it was something that I could really contextualize and really between the science and the, and then the business academics, I really felt strong after that. By the time I went to Accenture and I was consulting, I was, I was kind of a pain in the ass, to be honest, because right. I had all these ideas and all these things that I wanted to do. And I had a lot of new stuff I was playing with in the process space. And I was actually finding myself quite stifled yeah. at Accenture. So I didn't last at Accenture very long. And I really decided at that point, I needed to go out on my own because I wanted to try all these things. I didn't want to just be a template, you know, jockey basically, and kind of take what people had been giving me and go do it with clients over and over. And this is where also from an entrepreneur perspective, I had a real problem with yeah. how consulting works, all the yeah. consulting out there, because there's, there's a bad incentive structure. There's no incentive to empower clients because then, you know, the best consultant is the one that puts right. himself out of a job. So yeah. there's an inherent right. conflict of interest with doing consulting work. And also you can't like, if you work with the big box consultancies, even the small consultancies, you can't yeah, work with small all, and medium businesses effectively. Right, they just course. can't afford yeah. it. So you're, you're dealing with your audience. Yeah, yeah, there's, and it's there's not, no access. It's not entrepreneurial and it's not creative. And you're dealing with, I'm sure levels of right management that you got to report to. And, you know, you just keep consulting and keep doing what you're doing. And, you know, Yeah. And there's just so many layers of hierarchy and there's so much money in that space. So, you know, I spent a little more time here in my background because this is the start of this discontentment with the consulting space, with a lot of how the work was being done and this real desire to help clients in an authentic way and also to create accessibility for smaller uh, SMBs, you know, people who need this consulting help but can't afford it. And there's really no 
there's no resources for them. They can't hire Accenture. They can't hire, they have to always hack it on their own. So it was around that time where I moved to Manhattan. So I spent, I had a five year stint in New York city. And then it was at that time where I I just took another job as a process scientist, a process engineer in a large law firm, actually. So we actually probably do have some internal doing processes for the law firm. Right. Yeah. You might've heard of them, a large law firm, Fragman, Delray, Bernstein and Lowy. They do immigration law. They're a, they're a pretty big player in that space. And they were building a process center of excellence because they were also having challenges scaling and they were an international outfit. So I was hired as a, ex-Accenture disgruntled consultant to help them start this process center of excellence. And at that time, I also started consulting on my own because I just, I had this desire to experiment and go out and use these process techniques I was developing for other clients. So I worked it out with them eventually, not uh, not at first, but eventually I worked it out with the law firm where I was their head of process. And I was also out doing consulting and process consulting for clients and trying new methods and, and kind of pulling it all together. So I was burning the candle at both ends in my time in New York. But that's the New York. And then you don't have to give up a job say, and so. start fresh and have no income and whatever. It reduces your risk of doing it, you know? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You work, I was working a lot, but it was fun. I, I think I tell people all the time with entrepreneurship, if you're not having fun, then right. it's not sustainable because you end up putting yeah. a lot of time. It's not like easy into being it. an entrepreneur. People think, oh, well, you can work whenever you want. You're your own boss. Yeah. Whenever you want is 24 hours a day. You think about it when you're sleeping, you wake <laughs> up in the morning, think about the things you got to do today and next week and the week after. And, oh, I forgot to do this. And I, I wonder if my secretary sent out that, oh yeah, she sent me an email. You, you know what I mean? It's always going through your head as opposed to when you work for a company. Yeah, you can put it down. It's not your company when you go home at night. So, yeah. Well, and you're investing in yourself. So every minute you spend yeah. is just you're building yourself up and you're getting yourself, you know, ready for whatever the next big thing is that you're excited to do. So it's very exciting. But like you said, it's not a, it's not something you do right. to relax right. on your off time. So, so let's talk about uh, like business, your business buildings in the early days because we're going to get into process science a little bit later. But so, so you, you know, you, you, you obviously got into the space because you've got a job. First, you work for the water treatment plant. Then you got a job with Accenture. And then now you're with the law firm. How do you then go out? Because I'm always curious about this from an entrepreneurial standpoint, right? Day one, you say, okay, I got this job. And they agreed to let me do other consulting. How do you find? It's easy to identify like Accenture's clients, right? Because, right? But it's hard to identify and convince smaller businesses to say, okay, I think processes are important. And listen, I am the biggest advocate for like writing a business plan and that's how you get started. And the business plan is all about putting down on paper, the processes that you're going to need to run this business. And it helps you identify problems that you have and weaknesses. you have. So how did you get, yeah. How did that start for you? Sure. So I'll, I'll caveat by saying, I think consulting, especially if you're just building your own consulting brand is a bit unique in terms of being an entrepreneur because there's no overhead. So in some ways there's not as much risk, but then you have other challenges. Like you have no credibility, you have no client. So you're kind of out there. Yeah. Like why would they waste their time with you? So in the beginning, my strategy and part of it was because I was nestled in the middle of Manhattan was you know, I started a meetup okay, was the first thing right. I did. This was yeah. before COVID times. So I started a business, a New York business process right. discussions meetup. And I started to just, you know, I took months of just going to a bar and having a drink by myself and having no one show up, but eventually yeah. one person shows up and then three people show up and then five people show up. You know, in <laughs> yeah. those days before pandemic, I was thought a meetup was like, you know, hiking groups and knitting groups and people that like cats and, you know, stuff like that. And then you started realizing it's a powerful networking 
tool. So everything. I mean, it was everything, especially in New York City. I mean, you've got not only the hikers and the cat lovers and the people who want to just knit mittens together or whatever it is, but it was all sorts of things, yeah. business, networking, dating. I mean, yeah. it was, it was everything from top to bottom. So I started what, you know, all my friends at the time were saying was the, the most boring <laughs> meetup group yeah. <laughs> on the platform, which is New York business process yeah. discussions. But eventually we got up to 1400 oh, members within okay. three years. And yeah, we would hold a meetup uh, twice a month and we would get 20 to 30 people coming uh, from around the city and different companies who were just wanted to talk about business process challenges and business process in the new market. These were consultants and and scientists or these were business owners or is it a little bit of a mix or? Everyone. Yeah. Small business people who are learning about process, nonprofit people, people who are starting their own thing, all the way up to process professionals at the larger uh, companies, right. the Fortune so 500 working, that you've heard of. Working, uh, yeah. It was just anyone of interest. Yeah. Also just people off the street who just wanted right. a free cookie or just wanted to meet exactly. you. I mean, it's just, you know, the, yeah. the grab bag. Yeah. And, and that was really it. So at that time, I just started pushing myself aggressively, people who would come and if I felt there was any interest or they would come and say, I need process help. They would listen to me speak. They, they would see that I was running this meetup and I would offer free client work for the first few years uh, is really how I got it started. I said, you know, I'm a young guy. I'm trying new stuff. I'm really trying to get out there. Would you be willing to let me run a project at your business and just exchange for a case study and a recommendation and a referral and like yeah, your logo on our that. website? Yeah, and I and I and I got a ton of it in New York. I had small companies all over. Law firm, you were able to do that. Yeah, right. Yeah, I had an income stream, so I just converted all my free time into offering free work, and I did that probably for about eighteen months, and then I slowly started to charge. Right. Try to charge and learn how to do sales. Yeah. But then, you know, it's easier once you have some case studies behind you, you have a website with a few logos. But I mean, that was really it. For me, it was a fairly iterative, casual process. I'm not going to pretend yeah. it was happening overnight. It took me a few years, but you sign up for your, you, you register your company name, you throw a, a website together and you just start building assets. I always tell people it's part, part of the essence of process science too. You just yeah. got to build. Like if you want to do, if you want to do a business plan, just start by pulling up a document yep. and writing business plan on the yep. top. That's it. You know, right. you don't have to do much more than that. And you just, every time you have some time, you just invest in it a little bit more and just let it kind of flow. And that's what I did. And eventually I started to have a, a revenue generative business on the side. I had my law firm thing and I worked it out with the law firm, like I said, that they let me do that. Um, and then it eventually just flip-flopped. And then maybe five or six years ago, I was able to finally just let everything else go got and run it, on my own. It. Yeah, no, look, when you go, even if you and I were dropped in some city, we didn't know anybody, that's how we would start. We start by building networks and making connections and meeting people. And yeah, it's not magic, but it seems like it's magic, right? If you just keep working at it. When I started the podcast, I said this all the time, a buddy of mine said, you know, I saw a lot of podcasts, right? There's millions of podcasts, but some of them don't get past like eight or 10 episodes. They're all like, they fizzle out. So he said, listen, if you just keep producing good content and you keep meeting people, you go, you know, 30, 40, 50, it might take eight, 10 months, two years, but it will happen where people are now coming to you. That's how we met. And you will, and I do, I get business from the podcast, not directly like I do business with you directly, Sam, necessarily, but you know, somebody listens to your episode and then they told a friend and then this happened and they saw someone's social media and somebody looked me up, saw Google reviews and they called me like it, like it's roundabout, but it, it does take time, but it's not magic. It works. If you stick with building a network, like you said, making contacts, offering services, building your credibility, because I think that gives you a lot of credibility once you're once you have people that said, hey, yeah, Sam did this for us and it was great, you know. 
type of stuff. So yeah, that's it. That's yeah. I mean, that's the way to do it. So you, you know, I get people on, they're like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I got lucky. I met this guy and did some work. I'm like, yeah, it probably didn't happen that way, but they think it did, you know? Right. Well, and, that, and that's where I think a lot in the entrepreneurial space, a lot of entrepreneurs I find who are, especially the ones who are wildly successful, they're very passionate and they're very, they're almost very, like there's an eccentricity. Let me just put it that way. That runs through them and they can't recall exactly. the hard work they did because yeah. they were just living out loud. And that's what I tell people. You just got to live out loud, right? I mean, I didn't do this business process meetup group you know, as part of my story, because I just thought, oh, I have this grand plan that 50 people will come and then 100 people will come. I just needed to express myself. I just needed a channel so that I could talk right, about the right. things I was passionate about. And it just goes where it goes. And I think that's, if you really interrogate entrepreneurs, a lot of times it's a similar story. It's they really felt strongly that they wanted to do something. They wanted to just activate themselves. And then it's magnetic and it brings people in and they're consistent. Yeah. It's that consistency you mentioned that also gets there. And they don't remember the time where they showed up to the bar by themselves for six months because that's not part right. of their success story. But they mostly they probably all had it. Like yeah, you said, exactly. to some extent. I, you know, it's funny. Same with business plan writing. I think people think like you sit down, you write a business plan, you get started in business. That's not what it is. It's like you said, there's a blank piece of paper that says business plan. You probably have one line that says, this is my idea. And over time it develops and changes and you meet people and you learn this. So, so I'm, I'm curious because probably the people that needed you the most were not coming to these meetings, right? So the people that are coming to the meetings are somebody that's already interested in recognizes maybe that they have process problems or as a consultant in the space. So how did you start identifying the people that you really, that really needed your help? that maybe weren't coming to these meetings with the referrals from other clients. How did that happen? Right. Well, it, and maybe this is now a little bit of my bias, but I, oh, everyone 100%. needs process help. Right now. I'll be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. Right. They don't recognize it. It's actually an issue of most people are struggling with the issues that the consulting I do address. They just don't know how to articulate it. And this has become particularly the case since everything has started digitizing right. rapidly. And that really got away from people, right? I mean, it was easier to manage your processes when you can walk into a room and kind of use your senses and see yeah. what people were doing right. and what was happening. Yeah, I mean, even in the last five years, it's gotten intense, right? Everything's digitized, people are right. hybrid, they're virtualized, geographically dispersed, and now people have just lost their orientation right. entirely. So this is from large enterprises in the Fortune 100 all the way down to small businesses who are wildly successful or just funded. Because you got the guy, my son works for a tech company in Indianapolis. They got bought by a company, most of them are in Minneapolis. So he's got to come on teams at a certain time. Everything's scheduled because they don't know what the hell he's doing in his apartment. And you have to do it, right? Yeah, you've got to have a better hand on the wheel, the process wheel, so to speak. I mean, you've got to understand what your processes are. You have to know how to measure them. You have to know how to monitor them. And and it's the essence of how businesses grow and scale and automate and delegate and all the things. People want AI, people want robotics, people want all the sexy stuff. And they say like, I'm doing well, I want to scale my business. If you don't have the fundamentals and process management, it's just a crapshoot. And that's where, you know, at the time, it wasn't as much about finding clients. I could find any client. It was about having the conversation and and trying to find the language. That's what I struggled yeah. with for years, which was what is the language that I can say that expresses what I'm doing to connect it with the problem that people were having? Because it, it expresses itself in their businesses as, oh, I'm having too high a cost. I've got too much right. headcount. I can't get this thing done. I've got quality problems. I mean, it's all over the map. And a lot of it was was ripe for this process skill set, this process consulting that people needed. 
So that was a lot of what it was and, and doing the work and being in the field, refining my methods, refining my, my sales pitch, and just being able to communicate with people at a very, at different industries, yeah. different levels. It really just started to become a referral based business, to be honest with you, because I started doing good work for people. If anyone else needed process help, they would just give my name in the hat. And now most of my consulting business, because right now I've just started a right. software business. That's where that. I am at present. But the consulting business is mostly just referral. I don't really, because I only need, I keep my costs very low. I never try to scale an agency. You know, I didn't want to become right. the next Accenture. So if I get a few good contracts a year from referrals, that's all the the revenue that I'm, I yeah. need really. What, what, what are the common like things that you see that the shortcomings of the businesses that you're coming across, um, you know, on a regular basis in the early days and now, because I mean, I could probably name them too, but I'm curious. Yeah. I, I mean, it, <laughs> it's funny when you ask it that way, there's a systemic lack of understanding of how to manage a process or what a right. process is. Yeah. But I'd say physically, one of the biggest problems that people have is that they don't know what their operating processes are. And that means like physically, that means they don't have they any don't documentation. Have yeah. If they actually, Right. I mean, and because the biggest the biggest problem is that people are trying to buy software. This is actually the most common use case that's been the, the this way for that the last, let's say, 10 years, because we're right. in a SaaS revolution, right? Where everyone is trying to get the best right. practice tools. They say, I need DocuSign. They say, I need, you know, whatever is going to get my business the next level. If you do a Google search, there's five SaaS products that are going right. to promise to get you there. Example, there's so, software, there's four or five different competitors that lead the law firm management system where they manage your calendar, they manage this, and there are all kinds of processes. But just throwing them into right. the law firm doesn't mean it's going to work. That You just yeah. hit the nail on the head, right? And that's the part where they're not going to tell you because they need you to buy their product. They're not going to tell you how difficult right. it actually yeah. is to implement the products properly into, into your operating model. So this is the, the state of the universe that most clients are in, which is they know they need better tools. They know they can take advantage of technology or they're being outcompeted by people who understand automation, who understand how to integrate these SaaS products into their, their operating model, but they don't have the fundamental project lifecycle, process acumen. They can't do requirements. They can't do configuration. They don't have the technical expertise. And it's a struggle because their business strategy is essentially buy these best practice tools and deploy them to reduce costs right. and become more effective. They and they how. don't know how. So that's a that's a use case that I, I tackle for every scale of company right now, which is how do you actually implement technology right. properly? How do you actually take advantage of automation and scale? And and that I would say is probably the most tangible use case that's coming up all the time, but it always speaks to a lower level of businesses just do not understand how to speak. Right. process. They don't know how to document it. They don't know how to communicate it. And that's the biggest problem. If I hire a SaaS company, their first question is going to be, what's your business process that this tool is supposed to be helping? And there's nothing. They didn't it's not written it. down. People can't talk to manual. it. They don't have a marketing program. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I have this vision of like the business owner getting started. Maybe he's got one assistant, right? He or she's working with him and then they start to sell stuff and then maybe they add some other employees and they take on space or maybe they took on space to begin with. And all these things kind of develop because it's their image of, and they're probably they don't have an MBA and they're, and they're, it's their image of their business. Their business is going kind of going forward and all these processes are going on, but they're totally unrecognized. They're not organized. And all these people end up doing the wrong things at the wrong time. And there was no way to measure. That's why business, that's why I let's not even call it business planning. It's called strategic you know, planning 
that's why as you get there and then you can say, okay, well, we're having trouble getting to the next level. We need a guy like, like Sam. They can't even recognize like why they're having trouble and they're having trouble. But I think that's the biggest problem is yeah. they got all these people and departments aren't communicating, right? And you get all these different issues and then they, well, we, we bought this great system. Clio is one of the big ones in the law firms, right? We bought this system. I, my old firm, I had a bunch of partners. We were going to install the system and it was going to be like $1,000 a head. And then one day I went to my C, C, uh, CEO and I said, nobody's going to use this. Like they're not doing it now. So yeah. why are we investing in this when we can, we got to figure out how to, you know, make it work first and how these guys are going to adopt the tools because they're all different ages and some are over, almost retired. Some of them are younger. And it was just like, we're going to invest $12,000 a month for nothing. It would be for me to use for myself, you know? And it was, <laughs> yeah. So you asked about the common That's problem, the common problem that, right? what you just described is yeah. the common problem. Yeah. And, and it goes different ways. People will buy the software and yeah. force people to use it. People will buy it and then they pretend to force them to use it and there's no compliance and everyone goes back to using Excel right. and email and they just kind of use around it. And then, like you said, you didn't actually decrease your cost burden. You just increased it over the business because you've got this tool that you've bought a license for and no one can right. deploy it properly. So this problem manifests itself in very different ways in different parts of its life cycle. Everyone wants the technology. We, it's very more complex than people think. So how before. do you start approaching that as the person who's coming in from the outside? You got a, you know, a 20 person organization, some a small company. Where, where do you start as, as the, as the consultant? Yeah. No matter what your problem is or what is going on, the starting point is always, we have to write down your process. What, are you doing what is your process? Is what you're saying. Right? What is it? Yeah. What are you doing now? Bad. Yeah. What are you doing now? Because you have to have a starting point. You got to know what the clients are buying from you now and how the sausage is made now. Because if you're going to do anything differently, you have to start. You can't right. start from nowhere. Like a step has to be taken from where you are. And it has people have to have a common ground of right. where they are. And especially in a 20 person company, you were mentioning too about like entrepreneurs, you have an assistant. Entrepreneurs are often brilliant people, but if you ask them to write down how they do what they do, they're, they're often creative. the most fun. Yeah, of course, that's what makes them entrepreneurs, right? Yeah, they can. And they do a lot of things intuitively and automatically because their skill set has compounded over years. Like if you ask somebody to write down how you ride a bike, most yeah, people would be challenged by that, even right. if they knew how to do it intuitively. Yeah. And and you and you will then wonder why, okay, now I'm doing great. I'm going to hire my first 10 people to scale this thing up. But then they come in and they're like, okay, Mitch, what are you doing? And then they can't communicate right. what they're doing and they can't actually write it down. They don't know what their process is. They just know they're successful and they want other people to help. Yeah, and then they the can't mess transfer starts. that to the, And this the is a people. common story. Like they can't. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's right. They can't communicate it. So no matter where you are, what you're doing, the first thing I do with clients is always, we got to map your processes. I usually make process documentation. A lot of why clients come to me is because I've cultivated a skill set where I can make those documents painlessly yeah. and quickly and accurately. Sure. Right. Because there's, there's so many challenges there. We could go in a lot of different directions. Why process documentation is so difficult. Um, and that's where we get to like what I'm doing with Trubal now, but if you can't write it down, then you can't measure it. And if you can't measure yeah. it, you can't manage it. Um, and that's right. just fundamentals. So, you know, when people say, I want to fix this, what do you right. want to fix? Tell me what you're doing today yeah. and how it works. Right. Because I guess in reality, every business has processes. They may be terrible, but if a piece of business comes in the door, yeah. or a lead comes in the door, something happens, right? It's a question of a lot of things yeah. and the wrong people may be touching it, whatever, but there is a process. Getting it down is, is difficult. Okay. Why don't we do this? We just did about 30 minutes. 
Let's take a little break because I got a few people that pay me a little bit of money to uh, support the podcast. And then we'll come back and we can talk about Truval and, you know, the whole uh, genesis of it. For Some of it is for obvious reasons of the stuff we've talked about. And then what it is and how you're working with people and the whole thing. Because this is such an important topic. I hope people that are listening get that. That the processes of writing down things and putting it in place and understanding how to communicate it to other people is so important. So let's take a break. And we'll come back and do whatever the next thing we do. Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to market and grow your business? Or perhaps you're just getting started and want to hit the ground running. AWeber is the best choice for online email marketing and automation of your business. From maintaining a subscriber list to drip campaigns and landing pages, AWeber gives you tools and integrations that make marketing easy and fun. As our partner and sponsor, we use all their tools to promote the podcast and market our law firm. AWeber, the best alternative for online marketing. For over 30 years, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has built a thriving community of forward-thinking CEOs and business owners who want to radically improve their companies. Through unique combinations of one-on-one business coaching, participation in monthly tab board meetings with other non-competing owners, a suite of strategic tools, and customized strategic planning workshops, tab membership can deliver greater strength to your business and a better work-life balance for you and your family. All packaged in a streamlined and affordable service that the people at tab invite you to try risk-free. Maybe you're looking to get into podcasting or you just want to market your business. Maybe you want to do it for enjoyment or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey-based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts, as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets. And be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit created especially for our listeners. Follow the link in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. Okay. And we are back. And, you know, Sam, it's funny before we get into Truval, and I'm sure that wasn't your first intention when you started your company, but um, it's interesting because when uh, back in uh, late 2019, 2020, I broke up with my partners and went out on my own. And, you know, and I was very adamant about, I don't want employees anymore. You know, I don't want to payroll, all that kind of stuff. And I have, you know, consciously, instituted processes and it's not a one integrated software package. I have different tools and things. So my marketing goes on all the time. You know, you book an appointment, it goes on my list, the list sends you a drip campaign. Then you learn about the podcasting and learn about what I do. And when I finish a matter, somebody gets a a letter to review us and all the kind of stuff. It took me a long time to put those processes together. It also took me 30 years in business of experience. I didn't have someone like you to say, Hey, you should do this. Now I'm coaching other attorneys, but law firms, for example, are so, I hate to say this, employee heavy, personnel heavy. I, I I know some partners that have like five partners and they got like 40 employees. Like, I don't know what these people do. Now, some of them are litigators. I don't litigate, but sometimes they could be doing five or six million in revenue and the partners have to put money in. I, I mean, you know, so I didn't want that. So a lot of stuff I do, and that's why it resonates with what we're talking about is everything I do is process oriented. I don't want to touch something twice I don't need a secretary answering my phone who sits here next to me. 
uh, you know, that type of stuff. So I, I'd like to know from you with Truval, like when it became, when you got to the point and you said, listen, geez, I got to make a tool for these people. I mean, because I'm sure that's kind of how it came about, right? That's yeah. exactly right. <laughs> it, it, it came about because I, like you, well, in consulting, again, it's a little bit different than legal services, yeah. let's say. But, you know, if you're consulting on your own, you're doing well, you can you can go a few different ways. You can say, I'm happy with just making revenue and keeping this the, the quality high because I'm the one doing it. Or I can scale an agency and I can try to get more fees by becoming the next Accenture, right. the next Deloitte, McKinsey, whatever it is, essentially. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, that's right. not a model for it. me. Right. I, I said, tried it. I can't. hated it. I, I don't yeah. want other people's problems. I can make my own problems, you know. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and also the when you're talking about the quality of a consulting method, the knowledge, it's a hard right. thing to teach somebody right. to like scale for you and like go off and say, I would not feel within my integrity to say, okay, I'm training a junior person to do what right. I can do now and then send them out and use them as my proxy right. at client site. I think it that's is. a tough sell. Um, so so it, it, in my in my evolution, and like you mentioned, I was running into the same problems. I'm running into a lot of the same challenges. Like I'm also as a consultant. Like how do you? Right. Or even when I leave like what uh, engagement, next, right? people kept. Yeah. You know, you like for me, consulting with integrity means increasing clients capabilities. Right. So they, they don't, don't come back in a year and a half anymore. and everything's like chaos again. Right. If I if if a client calls me back after a year and brings me back and they're in the same situation they were when I left them, then I right. failed you my really first engagement. Did, in all honesty, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, and and there was and the biggest problem we really came back to. You can teach clients a lot of things, and I've had a lot of success over the years, even offering training, coaching, teaching people how to manage process. But the biggest hurdle was always just documenting yeah. processes because there's no tools out there. So this is really the genesis of Truval, which was that it's not like I'm trying to solve the world right now. I'm just trying to give people something with a lower learning curve and more accessibility so they can document a process because today all of the tools, just to give a quick summary, are blank page. You know, you have to learn a language to understand process and you just have to take shapes and you have to start orienting them yourself. There's no formatting help. There's no opinion to these tools. It's just everything is a whiteboard and you just have to draw on them. Um, and that's very intimidating for people. People try to do process documents in PowerPoint. Yeah, they try like, to scratch like them out on paper. Becomes. But it, right. It just yeah. takes hours, though. It takes hours to line up the boxes. I know that sounds dumb, but it's like people don't do this because it's like so time charts, intensive to make something that's and, yeah, readable. Yeah. Have you ever tried to make something they had to present of any consequence where you had to line up boxes and shapes and draw a picture of a process? It's just painful yes. for people. and. No one is trying to solve this this particular issue. I just, you know, my genesis of Truval was if I could just help clients and entrepreneurs and anyone really feel more empowered to write down a process properly and feel emboldened to share that information with people, it'd be solving a huge problem that I'm seeing over and over and over. I mean, I'll, every engagement, I've tried to compress the time I spend just mapping process because the fun part is talking right. about process. The fun part is not today. just documenting right, exactly. what's going on. Yeah, it's analyzing, it's designing, it's transforming, planning for the future. How do we evolve right. our company? But if you've got to start at square one with every client, even if I was going to scale my own consultancy, I needed this tool. Yeah. If I wanted to just make sure that I could do a few more clients a year and help people at the same quality level, I needed this. So so that's really the genesis story. It's 
you know, process documentation is not super sexy, but it's something that everyone needs. And I'm just trying to build tools that that help people be able right. well, to do it better. Uh, look, without it, you can't do two things. One is recognize your shortcomings of the way you're doing things and that you can improve. And second of all, you can't add people to the organization because they got no idea what you're doing and you can't train them. Or, you know, no, no job idea. descriptions or whatever. And you know, you bring someone on, you're like, oh, yeah. Sam's got a lot of skills and they start throwing things at you. You know, these organizations, right, where they go, well, if we lose Sam, we are f- screwed, you know? <laughs> it's still the majority of them. I mean, at most companies, and you'd be shocked. I mean, if I know we we're speaking to a lot of entrepreneurs and smaller companies, but even the biggest, most established yeah. companies in the world, the main training regime is still trained by shadowing, which is just you join the organization and you just fool around for three months just listening and looking. That's how people learn. There's no other way to do it, especially in right. a digital environment. There's nothing to show them. There's nothing to give them. They just have to learn by being on payroll for an entire quarter, just kind of bungling around until they figure it out. That's what my son started his job and he had to watch videos like for three weeks. And there was, and the guy was supposed to help him was on so many jobs that he could barely respond to him. And the videos were like, how to, how to run the system on windows 95. I mean, they they weren't even updated. Now he's going on jobs, right? And he's, and he's going on site and he's learning things. He's still young. He's only been with him a couple of months. You're right. They probably paid him for 90 to 120 days to do nothing. And then his bet, one of his good friends from college just joined the organization and joined his team. He calls me, goes, well, what am I supposed to do? As well, nothing. Just, you gotta <laughs> yeah. watch and you won't, and you won't really understand things till you actually start doing things. And it's a total waste, but you know, big companies, I don't know. They have a lot of, they have a lot of waste. Where, where did the name Truval come yeah. from? It's a, in a, it's a short amalgamation of true oh. value. And being able to identify true value, but also it, it came because it was one of the only domains of the dot com left that's in the world. So just to be that's frank a good answer. with you, all right, we got it. Yeah, I, I mean, I try to I try to be practical with things, and and you know, the pirates have bought every single four letter domain dot com there exists. So unless you want to bid ten grand for them, you got to get a little creative. So I can't pretend that that's not part of right. the well, conversation. You see some of these domains that are like forty seven letters, and you're like, oh my god, that's ridiculous. You can't do it. Like you have to start then going to dot io. A lot of the tech companies are that. doing that things, but you know, call me old fashioned. I still right. wanted you to could do that. Right? You could do uh, make up your own dot, right? Can't you? Like, I see law. Not yeah. law. Once, uh, <laughs> yeah. Once all the tech companies started doing it, and the unicorns started using different uh, domain names, they started to make it cool. But we're not there yet. We're kind of like right. You're still going to. We're trying to play it right for ten grand. You're like what? startup companies. Okay. So let's talk about, you know, the tool. Let's talk about Truval and and what it does for the business owner and where they get started. And do they have to have you first as a consultant and then they use Truval or is it something you just go and sign up? It's just the latter. So, you know, if you're not getting my shtick, I really want to do consulting without being there. That's my ultimate dream, which is that I want you to be your own consultant. That's the the mission. You don't want to be the guy. Everybody realize I knew all the time. That doesn't work. Yeah, I certainly don't want to be, I don't want to be in the middle of things because then again, I'm not doing my job right. So the whole Truval concept is that helping companies do their own consulting work, essentially, and building a suite of tools and eventually an ecosystem. You know, we don't have it today. We're in the mm-hmm. beginning stages, but eventually we won't have an ecosystem where you sign up for Truval products and you can be your own consultant. You can assess your own process problems. You can be your own strategist. You can empower yourself with the knowledge and tools and methodologies you need to be successful. And that would be for anyone at any scale. That could be an entrepreneur. It could be a Fortune 100 company. So Truval right now is just on the cusp of releasing this first process mapping product. So we're we're pre-launch, no basically. Data but we're launching online now. or anything? 
you can sign up right now on Truvo.com for the beta and we're opening it up for testing this month, actually. So we're right there now. And then we're hoping to be some uh, saleable product by first quarter, like okay. the beginning of the year. But this first product is simply a process mapping product. And the key features that, you know, I mentioned some of the challenges I made it, I, 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 we made it so that the opinion is you can go in there and you can know nothing about documenting, but it structures the information for you. And you also can just throw it on the page wherever. So it was the, the idea was that if I was on mm-hmm. a zoom call, you could be telling me your process and the interface is easy enough where I could be throwing down shapes while I'm talking to you. That's how easy it is. Like I could just throw shapes on the page. I can just fill in data. And our, and our biggest feature that's new in this space is when you're done, you hit auto format and it will just straighten everything up into swim lanes and line all the shapes up for you. So you don't have to spend any time worrying about making your document clean or pretty. So it's really trying to take the time and the barriers to entry for people to make process documents and solve all those problems with an opinionated language and an opinionated workflow. And our hope is that people will get this product and they'll get addicted to writing down their processes, communicating process information and structuring process data because that's the start of every Oh my God, that would be like, the, that's my ideal world, like getting people to write things down. I just wrote a book. I, I don't <laughs> right. think I told you I was writing a book. It just came out, it was called... 10 ways to get sued by anyone and everyone. It's a small business owner's guide to staying out of court. And the main theme of the book is about putting things in writing. Like we never remember anything. Our minds are (laughs) these boxes with sticky notes and the sticky notes are all on the wrong things. And so you need a business plan. You need an operating agreement between your partners. You need employee, you know, agreements and employee handbook and, you know, all that type of stuff. There's some other legal stuff in there, but the main theme is writing things down and creating you know, a process to deal with whatever it is you deal with, not just doing business, but problems that occur, disputes between partners and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, it's every, it's everything. Yeah. Like you said, it's your audit trail. It's your, it's your liability cover. I mean, it, it's, there's so many different things that having a process document that you know, you've written down and you've approved that you've been able to share with others. You've been able to use as a training document. You've been able to use as a basis for your technology or right. whatever it is. Everything starts there. So like you said, I mean, I can't, overemphasize how important it is to get in the habit of even if to, if even if you have no interest in Truval, start right. writing it down exactly. on pen and paper like you yes. just got to start writing out what you're doing down, and right. how you're you doing can't it fix it if you don't know what it is yeah or right. improve it or, yeah. it or whatever you know I, I you know i tell people it, it you know if you were 30 years ago and you were in a plant it's easy if the oil is leaking under the machine you can just look at everyone just was walking around and said hey there's yeah. oil leaking under that machine there's not much of a consensus that's needed there's a process that's broken but now you don't see anything. If you're legal services, if you're a law firm and you're just working on computers and everyone's remote, where's right. the oil? You don't even know what you're. You don't even know what you're doing. You don't know where the data is moving. You don't know who's touching it. Yeah, you don't know what systems are passing through. You don't know they exist until it's too late. Something you're right. Bad. You can't use your. You can't right. use your senses. Yeah. Writing it down and being able to look at a process means you can engage your common sense again. If if you don't have that, yeah. you're just guessing. No, look, law firms the same thing, right? They have ethical obligations to clients. They have deadlines to meet. They have you know court uh, responsibilities, and if they screw those up because they don't have processes in place, good luck. You know, and you won't find out about it till you get a claim against with your carrier, and then you're in a malpractice suit. You know, it happens. I know guys that are right. that do work in malpractice, and they have the craziest yeah. cases. And I'm like, how did the law firm like forget to file? you know, this document or appeal this or whatever. And they go, oh, we don't know. They won't admit why, you know, because something fell through the cracks. They don't do it on purpose. 
I mean, I've seen the millions of dollars I've seen just burn up because of process errors and just people who just don't have any idea what's going on throughout my career. I mean, I could have, I could have probably bought a small country by now. Yeah. Um, I got a chat from somebody. Is that from your office? Wrapped around 1130. Yeah, we'll wrap around 1130. So <laughs> somebody from your office chatting me. So. <laughs> um, okay. So um, if is it open in terms of beta? Like, could people go and... Um, you know, sign up right now. Or they can sign up, and what's gonna? Yep, if you go to truvel.com, t-r-u-v-l-e.com, you can sign up, and then what's gonna happen is within the next two to three weeks, you're gonna get an email that offers if you want to join in the beta, if you want to get into testing, if you want to engage in our community and kind of be part of our initial tribe then it will be for anyone who wants to opt in, there'll be options to get deeper and deeper. And then you'll be able to get testing links. You'll be able to get early product versions. And that's all this exciting stuff that's happening this quarter. All right. So uh, how can it be, can people interact with you? Can they follow you? You're on LinkedIn, you're doing kind of stuff or better go through. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, I love people reaching out to me directly. You know, I used to be a big meetup guy until COVID destroyed meetup and right. now I don't see anyone exactly. anywhere. So Virtual. if you want to, yeah. if you want to reach out, I, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn at Sam Drawshack. You can reach out to me there. I also love to get emails. I, I love email. I'm one of those people. So Sam at Truble.com, very easy. Please feel free to reach out. And really, I'm pretty easy to find because there's no Drawshacks online. So if you just right. type in my last name, just they reach out wherever you can. Yeah, if they can spell it. Hopefully, it'll be in the yeah, show notes somewhere. put it in the show notes. Well, Sam, I can't thank you enough. This is, I hope people understand, such an important discussion and it's kind of like what i'm talking about all the time if people are listening to me um but you're you, you know you're obviously making this taking it to the next level from a scientific standpoint and actually providing tools for people uh to you know improve their businesses so i can't thank you enough we'll go to the closing credits and we'll get you in the show notes and uh, people can hopefully reach out to you and get on truval and start improving their businesses sounds great thanks I for having me it was Sam. a pleasure Thank you for listening to this episode of The Accidental Entrepreneur. Opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moscovich and Made to Order Music. For information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at the Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at BeinackerLaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.